0: Personally, I believe that if the, if the top sets the core values and the values of the organization, then ultimately it attracts the kinds of talent that recognizes this is where they want to work.
1: Hello innovators, I'm Todd Wyant and welcome to the Bridging the Gap podcast presented by Applied Software. You're invited to join our MEP and construction innovation adventure with a mission to propel this great industry forward. I am joined by two amazing guests today, Melissa Lopez and Ryan Shortell of Positive Adventures and Onyx Offsites and Trainings. Melissa has more than 25 years of industry and leadership experience in marketing, advertising, and entrepreneurship. And Ryan is passionate about helping communities, organizations, teams, and individuals realize their productive power. Welcome to the show, Melissa and Ryan.
2: Thank you very much. We're looking forward to, to chatting with you today. Thanks
0: for having us.
1: Yeah. Well, let's dive into some corporate culture and Let's start by kind of setting the the table for the conversation. How do you guys define what a healthy corporate culture really looks like?
0: Uh, I would say that a healthy corporate culture is one where you can hand them a strategy, uh, step back, not constantly look over their shoulder, but yet get updates, keep a scoreboard or dashboard throughout the year, and have everybody deliver in a healthy and productive way. Uh, It's important that your team, Remain somewhat healthy and positive because if not, the negativity can spread like a cancer and start to disrupt the 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 general flow of the group. And I've been on construction crews half my life, where uh, I've seen good ones run and not so good ones run.
2: I can add on that too. I think that it's important for all companies, regardless of the industry, to develop a strong company vision and supporting values because that can be represented across the board. And, and I think that it's a strong company culture helps to establish a healthy and productive um, workplace and work uh, workforce.
1: Mm-hmm. So who takes the responsibility for driving that corporate culture?
0: I, I think generally it should come from the top, but sometimes there might be a director of operations who's working directly with the frontline staff more frequently. But ultimately, it's got to be a cascading message. So whether it's the foreman or it's, you know, the, the regional director, somebody has to be keeping it in the foreground of the thought so that it is reinforced and the culture is this is accepted and this is unacceptable. And if everybody rows in the same direction, great things can be accomplished.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I agree too. I think that it's important for leadership to always be connecting with the team, to have a continuous open dialogue and communication of how the company can become stronger, how productivity can act against, the, like for the team's feedback, to make impactful changes, to ultimately align with the values of the organization, and that benefits both clients as well as the team.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I for sure. I, I agree that the the leadership needs to be the one to kind of set the the standard of what that looks like where does the kind of the individual responsibility come into play in helping to either you know get the the buy-in for what the the culture is is looking like and also making sure that that's the reality of the situation as well too uh,
0: personally i believe that if the, if the top sets the core values and the values of the organization then ultimately it attracts the kind of talent that recognizes this is where they want to work. And so the responsibility of the individual is deciding, do I want to work at this cutthroat organization or do I want to work at this organization, which allows time for family experiences and volunteering. So part of the responsibility for the culture is for the individual to choose the correct culture or to learn and adapt, adjust and accommodate to the current culture that they're in. You know, you might have a culture where everything is run exactly on time. And if you're a person that's generally late, you're either going to adapt and adjust and start becoming on time, or you simply just can't be accepted into the culture. Because if everything is run to the minute, and you're always 10 minutes late, the culture will just simply, there will be no place for you, it will, Mm -hmm. it will demonstrate that, um, what is needed is not what you're willing to give up, which might be timeliness. And so the, the accountability and responsibility of the individual is to match the culture of the organization. And sometimes they're the ones that actually rebuild a company's culture. Um, if there's been shifts in leadership or challenges that have happened, the individual will often say, we've got to rally together and deliver for the boss as opposed to the other way around.
2: Yeah, I agree. I think that like from a accountability perspective, that's the most critical thing to ensure that your team understands, recognizes what the the values and the vision of the organization are. And they understand what the expectations are from a delivery perspective and hold themselves accountable. And they work and they collaborate and they communicate with one another to hold one another accountable as well.
1: Mm -hmm. So how's that changed kind of based on the the shifting work models that we've all been experiencing—whether you know some are on-site, some are still 100% remote, there's the hybrid—how's that shift?
2: Um, you know, from my perspective, I think we've all. I mean, even our company um, itself, we had an opportunity to really recognize we were always in person. We had team members. Whether you're working within ops, or you're working within sales, or you're working directly with clients. Um, to all of a sudden be in your own unique environments, um, the establishment of being able to understand how you can most effectively communicate, how we can really rely upon technology to allow us the ability to have conversations like we're having now and still be able to create meaning and value for one another. And so, I mean, I think, you know, at least from our own experience and a lot from our clients' experiences, um, people relied upon app-based software they worked they they were relying upon the ability to you know effectively keep time because you're not like, clocking in and clocking out anymore and you got to identify different app-based programs that are going to allow you to be able to do that whether you're on job site or you're working from your home or regardless of where you're at. And so again it's that ability to, to provide that accountability and the ability for you to communicate with one another and whether it be visual or via audio um, or via you know text messaging, I think technology has allowed us the adaptability to now create different types of um, really productive and efficient ways of communication for teams.
0: Yeah, I'd also add that, you know, there were a lot of people who loathe the hour in traffic, but love their job. And there's people that, you know, really loved their office setting and they're forced to work remote. But in that, there are people who now are able to express more working productivity because they're at home. Whereas before they might've not felt as comfortable or they're wasting time in the drive and the traffic. So I believe it's opened up a lot of freedom and opportunity for people to kind of choose more accurately the ways that they work best. And I know, uh, including myself, like I, I thrive in an office environment and seeing the people and checking in in the morning, but I know other people, you know, they really thrive in a, in a quiet setting in their back office, in their back of their garage, and they're pumping out more work than they've ever done in an office. But the challenge is for leaders is how do you bring those two camps together? And so that's where there is a need for uh, maybe some Zoom programming and training, or maybe everybody meets at a bowling alley or, or goes to the baseball game or does something that brings them together. Because there has been feedback from some of our clients about an us versus them mentality. If 30% of us are already coming into the office, then why can't the rest of us? Or most of us are in the office. How come we have to make all these modifications for two or three people? But at the end of the day, that's the changing nature of business. At one point in time, there were businesses that debated whether or not they should use computing in their business. And over time, it became ubiquitous. And so we're seeing... You know, working remote has been around for a long time, but now it's mainstream. And so it's creating new opportunities for managers to connect their staff in different ways because they've never had to do that. 20 years in business, their same 20 people are at the office, but now 10 of them are spread across the country and 10 of them show up every day. So just adds new layers of opportunity.
1: Create a common data environment for your team with 360 Sync. 360 Sync automatically transfers, organize, and archives project files across applications. It is the only way to automatically sync project files between your server, Procore, BIM 360, Bluebeam, or any other platform you use. 360 Sync is the only document management system designed by and for the AEC industry. Users have automatically transferred over 1 million files and over 2 million syncs, set it and forget it. Create a common data environment for your team today using 360 Sync. Visit asti.com slash 360 Sync for more information. Yeah. How do you think it's gonna kind of equalize out over the next few years between onsite and remote?
2: I personally think that, you know, we um, have changed. We've seen a shift in culture. We've seen a shift in the economy through the past almost two years now, based upon like what we've been going through. And the there's a new corporate nor- normal that we often talk about, that this is the, the new norm. And we have as leaders, we have to be able to allow ourselves to look at the way that we're running our businesses and our organizations, how we're working with clients and adapt ourselves because it's not going to go away. I do think that, as Ryan had said, there's a lot of people who really value that in-person communication to be mm-hmm. very much more hands-on. They, they feel they're much more collaborative, but the the ability to mix more of a hybrid-type workforce is critical for all organizations to take advantage of. And a lot of companies have found that it is more financially lucrative for them at the same time. They've actually measured their productivity within their teams and they haven't seen a drop in performance. It's just a different work style and a modality that we all as leaders need to ensure that we are um, building our own organizations to take full advantage of.
0: Yeah, I'd also add that there's an increase in needing to find workspace that's not the office. So I would say that a lot of offices have been downsizing because you just don't need as many cubicles or spaces to half your team's remote. But then on top of that, there is, and I speak to a lot of people about this, they have to find new places to work every day, whether it's like a WeWork or a library study hall or a quiet coffee shop. And so there could be some new commerce relating to supporting people that work remotely more so than there has been in the past.
1: Mm -hmm. What are some tips that you guys uh, have for leaders to be intentional in their strategy of really engaging that remote side of the business while still creating that kind of healthy and positive culture space that is let's face facts. It's easier when everybody's in person to create that environment.
0: I think one of the simplest things that you can do is prepare your staff to have an adequate working space, whether that's upgrading a router, uh, Mm. sending multiple monitors, making sure that wherever they are, that they do have the tools for success. Mm. Uh, And then in addition to that, I also think that there's a lot of value in in still calling the team in every so often, whether it's a monthly manager's meeting at a restaurant, or, uh, you know, having a Tuesday team meeting in person at a park, some of those hybridized versions where people are still getting together, I think those are some simple tips that people can do that uh, don't necessarily break the bank, but are reasonable that can be done.
2: Yeah, and I think that that's really where uh, a lot of our organization takes focus because there are so many companies out there that are struggling to try to figure out how to be able to, you know, you can do a team training or a team building event. You can bring everybody in person, but then how do you continue to Allow them that same type of opportunity when they go back and they're working from their home offices and they're working from the, the the coffee shop and so it's really identifying different types of strategies, different types of tools, and different ways for you to be able to engage with your team to help promote that culture and ensure that they aren't feeling like they're they're stuck on an island, they're working in in their own silo when they do leave that particular group style environment.
1: Mm-hmm. I really like the idea of bringing everybody together for that in-person touch point, but off-site, out of the office, too. Uh, meeting up at a restaurant or, or a park or, or something like that, just to kind of create that. Uh, I would think it would create a more relaxed environment, where yeah. uh, and uh, maybe an easier transition to back into to being in person than having to be, you know, in the in the office. In for those people that don't like to be confined in the office space, that's a, a good happy medium ground.
0: There's science behind that, too, about um, the novel experience. So if you do a, uh, a strategy session within your office, you don't get the same uh, effect if you do a strategy session offsite, Because now it's novel, it's new, there's not someone stopping by your office, there's not clients coming to your door. And so that's the similar feeling is... And we've, I mean, we've been in business 20 years and that's what people do is they take their people out of the office to give them some sort of experience that's different than what they've always done. And in that there's growth and connectivity and it being novel just creates new mental neural pathways, which can foster and generate greater, you know, brainstorming and less distractions, things of that nature.
1: Yeah, that's great. How are you guys uh, dealing with it and kind of combating the burnout and kind of mental fatigue that is happening for a, a lot of remote workers as well.
2: I mean, one of the things that that you know, obviously for for the programs that we run for the clients that we work with, you know, clients come to us and a lot of them are saying like there is this. This wellness need that is just vacant because mm-hmm. you know, people are burnt out and people need to be able to focus better in on themselves and how because ultimately they're not going to be able to perform and be productive in any type of work environment whether they're working solo or they're working collaborating on a team unless they have personal and mental and 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 healthy fulfillment within themselves and so they come to us oftentimes and they're saying hey listen where what are the different types of programs that that we can do and yeah we may not be maybe we can get together in a park and maybe we can do these these team building activities but if we are stuck in a in a virtual capacity because i have people around the united states and i can't financially bring them all in what are different wellness initiatives that you can provide us to support our employees, regardless of where they're at geographically, and so you know we've got a tremendous amount of programs that are just focused solely on wellness. And I know Ryan has worked um, a lot of different programs, but particularly too for like the construction industry within wellness.
0: Yeah, it's actually I've I've spent my whole life involved in wellness, and it all started uh, by a gentleman by the name of Kenny Pappy Marizon when I was a roofer when I was 19 to pay for my college. And he said, God dang, you young bucks, you throw out your back and then you can't take care of your families. So you need to do your God dang yoga. And he would swear and he would cuss. But then he forced me to go to a five day yoga retreat. And this is like your quintessential old school construction boss, you know, cuss, swore, treated people terribly, would dock your pay, you know, crazy things. But what he gave me was the gift of wellness. And he said, in construction, your body is often the tool. And if you're not taking care of your body, then you can't deliver your job. When you blow out your back, you blow out your knee, you're, you're, you're worth nothing to your company and you're worth nothing to your people. And he set me on the path to learn about the four energies. You have your physical energy, mental energy, emotional energy, and spiritual energy. And he said, when you work on all four of those and keep those sharp, you can accomplish any task that you set your mind to. And in this case, it was related to squares of roofing. Um, You know, he could outwork three men because he had a wellness mindset that kept his body running faster and stronger and harder. And the way that his diet was, the foods that he ate. And so when Rady Children's Hospital came to us and they said, we have 5,500 employees and they're all really stressed out. And this has been a really hard time for them. They said, we want you to build a wellness program. And I taught them every principle that my boss taught me when I was 19 on the roof. We, we did a program and taught them how to meditate, how to do yoga, how to make healthy smoothies and drinks to fuel your body. Uh, we did some adventure activities, some service activities. And when you combine all of those things, you're, you're a, a fine running machine. There's a lot of people out there that eat really well, but don't get any sleep and you know drink too much. And there's people out there. they. Pray every day, and uh, you know they—they they just have a terrible diet, and so they can't live to their full potential. And that's what we see with employees: is you're not just trying to drive an employee to finish a task; you also have to see them as a holistic being, and how can you cultivate a culture that will get the best from them? And my boss didn't get the best from us by just screaming at us. He gave us tools to be, he was a maker of men. He gave us tools to be more balanced, to be more refined in the ways that we approached our health and wellness. And I think that's what we've tried to carry on is from those lessons is how can we help these other businesses? Because one of the things my boss taught me is you don't want to have a company that kills people. You want to take care of your staff. And he shared a story about when he owned an asphalt company and everybody was, choking on the gases from the asphalt. He just shut the doors. He said, I don't want to create a company that hurts people. I want to create a company that when they leave my company, they're better people. And I've been teaching his principles ever since I'm 45 years old. So that's a long, long roundabout story about wellness in your company.
1: The bridging the gap podcast is brought to you by applied software with solutions for the modern project applied software is on a mission to transform industries by empowering clients and championing innovation with real-world expert consultants. Their comprehensive array of solutions for AEC, MEP, and manufacturing has a singular focus, helping you achieve higher performance. With software, training, support, consulting, and custom development, Applied Software has you covered. Visit asti.com and let them know we sent you. No, I think that's great. Uh, right there on board with that i think if we can especially in the construction industry kind of shift the perspective that construction workers they're, they're prime athletes and they need to kind of treat themselves like that too and condition and train for all the the work that they do and yeah i think your your four principles there are, are spot on with that uh, how do you go about uh know getting do you see struggle in in people kind of buying into that or or they do they buy into a couple and then more hesitant on one or, or talk to me about that
0: well i think ultimately it comes back to the culture for example if everybody is recycling and you know the recycling bin and someone walks in and just dumps a bunch of recycling in the trash someone in the office is like oh hey you know joe all those cans can go in the recycling bin because it becomes a cultural piece and if you have a culture of always pounding beers with the crew after work, then that's basically the culture that you create. But, it, and I'll share a story uh, from a friend who was very successful. And what he did is he sold gym memberships to companies. And this one company could never get over about a million dollars. But after these gym memberships got sold, he, he ended up breaking through to two, three million dollars. And they asked him, they said, How was it that you were struggling at a million, but now you're at three? And he said, I used to have a bunch of individuals that worked for me. And they didn't see anybody else on the team as part of the team. But once they started working out in the gym together, they'd say, hey, you know, you're in that department. Can you give me a spot? Hey, I'm going to the gym, you need a ride. And before you know it, it created a community at the the work where people were working out together. And because they were working out together, they were willing to, you know, go the extra mile for their lifting buddy who they didn't know beforehand. And so part of that is like at our own organization, we gave people a $500 wellness bonus. And if you want to go get a massage or acupuncture, um, that, yeah, that'll come out of the $500 because you're basically saying, look, don't let money exclude you. Um, another thing is there's uh, free yoga videos online, doyogawithme.com, broken down by class, style. You can do it in your living room. And so um, in creating a culture of wellness, you can offer as, as uh, management. Hey, everybody, here's some cool eating techniques. Here's this cool workout. Does anybody want to sign up for this 5K mud run? Let's start training together. And then it becomes the culture of health and fitness and wellness because the bosses are talking about it. There's opportunities for it. Um, and it can be something as simple as doing a blood drive. If someone doesn't really want to sweat or work out, you, do a, you, you create an opportunity for them to give back and they'll feel better about their employer because of that. Because employees want freedom, purpose, and autonomy. And if you give them some volunteering opportunities that creates mental neural pathways that make them feel good inside, and that could be something that keeps them hooked to the company. "Ah, I don't really like the job, but I really love that the company does all this community service, and I feel good doing that.
2: Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think kind of like what what Ryan was saying too, in one of my former companies, we had started a um, running club. And, you know, a lot of companies now are trying to say how do we engage our millennials you know like there's the that's the workforce that predominantly we've got you know obviously the 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 older generation we've got the newer generations coming in and um the, one of the things that that i found was most meaningful is this whole like um characteristic of fomo and employees really started to recognize like oh you know everyone's going i don't really run but I don't wanna miss out on that. And they, they they start to recognize the connection that the team is having, regardless of what department they work in, regardless of what their role is within the organization. You can have the CEO and you can have the intern both joining two days a week before before um, starting work, and they're going to go be doing a two mile run, and it's it was interesting to watch that and see how it evolved into different areas. And we did do blood drives, and we did do we found ways also to give back to the community. <clears throat> we found ways to to um, during the holidays to identify. What can we do to greater serve our community? And everybody like kind of came together and we're like, how about we go through, we get um, blankets, we get uh, coats and jackets and people started reaching out within their networks. And next thing you knew, we had two trucks full of different things that we were able to go and donate down to the Salvation Army and it was such a great feeling and part of the team went and dispersed them also directly to people um, homeless within the area. So it's unique things like that to find, work with the team, establish that type of culture and identify what is meaningful for all of us And it's not just on this nine to five workday, what is something that's gonna bring us together to make certain that we all share a common, the same common values and we're able to deliver value to other people outside of our organization.
0: Yeah, and just as a really small aside because it's happening on Saturday, I buy concert tickets for the staff. You know i like going to concerts and so anytime there's a concert that comes to town i'll buy any concert ticket for any staff because oftentimes it's inexpensive but they're like wow my boss got me two tickets to this amazing concert yeah it's 40 bucks but they're gonna go out and have the time of their life with their husband or their wife or their best friend and they're gonna be like wow this place is awesome like you're over here working nine to five and being drilled into the ground and i'm getting free tickets to concerts and you know we're going off and doing blood drives so it's about creating a place where people want to work out and they'll oftentimes, uh, you know, people will take less salary for more meaning. And so you can attract top talent. There's a lot of people that offer tons of money for jobs, but no one wants to work there because they know they're going to just be, you know, raked over the coals. Cause there's no benefits, there's no value. They're just driven into the ground. And, and that's so like nineties, you know, we're in a whole new era where people, they expect certain things. And. Does the company provide lunch? And you know what kind? is there a softball league for our, our company? Because people can jump so fluidly now. They're not working at the company store for 20 years and then getting a pension. They're, they're jumping jobs every two years. And so one of the competitive advantages is if you can get people to stay longer than two years, and you do that by creating a culture of wellness. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, I more than agree. Well, one of the things that I, I talk a lot about is, Knowing the person behind the employee and and taking time to get to know who you're working with on a, on a personal level, not just what they do in their, you know, nine to five to do task day job, but really take the time, have those personal conversations, have those personal connections with my team, uh, you know, during our one-on-ones, I I think it's way more productive when we don't really talk about work and, and the task. During those calls, there's plenty of other meetings that we can map out what they're doing and, and roadmap that out. But to sit down and have that conversation and figure out what their interests are, not only does it connect on a personal level, I think it makes them more productive at work then as well, too. It also creates different opportunities that, you know, they're passionate, they're exploring something outside of work that you can be like, oh, wow, well, this is you know something that we were thinking about doing in the the job maybe you should go and own, own that and kind of run with it. I didn't know that you were interested in that. You get to learn so many more little nuances that you would never have that opportunity to,
0: you know, I'll share a really quick story about that. Um, I, I was meeting with the teammates and said, what's a dream you have for this year? Like, what's something you want to work towards? And one of the staff, Julie, she said, I've always wanted to visit my mom in in Ohio in the spring. And I said, well, that's your grand vision for the year is a plane ticket to see mom in Ohio. And she said, yes, on the spot. I booked her a ticket with airline miles and she started crying. It was like 90 bucks. And now the thing is, you ask yourself, is that employee going to stay late now? Is that employee going to show up and do the extra mile? Absolutely. A simple act of getting to know what they wanted and then helping them achieve that builds, you know, raving fans for a company, you know, and I could have been, well, if you don't, if you don't do your sales numbers, you you won't see your mom because you'll be poor. You know, it's like, oh, is that all you want to do? You don't want to go to Machu Picchu or drive a Ferrari like you want to just see mom in Ohio? Here's your ticket anyways. You can have that. And, you know, she's been with us longer than any other employee.
1: Yeah, that's awesome. But it it's stemming from an authentic, genuine place, which I, I think that, you know, some people might hear of like, oh, well, I don't want to just manipulate it or, or, you know, do anything like that. But if it's coming from a genuine place, people read that and they, they feel that authenticity. And that's the key to this whole thing.
2: Yeah. It's, it's, you got to know your team. You have Mm -hmm. to, you have to be able to recognize what drives them, what frustrates them, what creates meaning for them, what, you know, what, what is fulfilling. And like you had said, Todd, the most meaning that I get is in the relationships that I'm forming with our team is those one-on-ones. And it's not because we're going through a laundry list of tasks or deadlines. And yeah, we, we do have to do some of that because that is part of the job for sure. But the most the 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 the, the best part of it is for me to just have a conversation with them. Like, oh yeah, I, I knew your cat was sick. You know, how's the cat doing? You know, and then it's it's interesting now that we're working also in this remote environment. It's great. And we're like, Hey, you want to take a walk? Do we, we don't need to look at each other on, on the computer. Like I'm going to put my earbuds in, you put your earbuds in, let's go take a walk together, even though we're not together. And the conversations that you have are just so impactful and the things that resonate between one another, it builds that, that relationship and that trust. And, you know, like being a transparent leader and, and at the same time, you can't necessarily always be friends with your employees because sometimes you you, you may hit like a, a little slippery slope there, but you have to show respect and appreciation and recognition for the employees because that's really what is going to not only drive and maximize the productivity of that individual who's also a bigger part of the team, but you're going to, to see it in the year-end results of the product in the services that you're providing, regardless of what industry that you work at, because you have a team that is, you have high um, employee retention, you have camaraderie and this the, the team is well-established and they know they're, they're all traveling the same journey and they understand what that destination is, which goes back to like, that whole vision.
1: Hey innovators, over the last year hosting this podcast, recording over 65 episodes with the greatest minds throughout the construction industry, I started to notice common themes in each episode. We've had waves of disruption and a digital transformation impacting every aspect of construction and the leadership skills required to successfully navigate these waters. The simple fact is there are those who allow themselves to be carried along by the waves of changes taking place. And there are others who wanna take an active part in changing things for the better. In my opinion, during times of disruption, good leadership is all the more important. People will follow a compelling vision and are looking for leaders to pave the way no matter where they are in the industry. So I decided to compile my thoughts into an ebook for my listeners. You can download my new ebook titled Leading Through Disruption and Digital Transformation for free at bridgingthegappod.com slash ebook. Once you do, I'd love to hear your feedback. As always, keep innovating. Mm-hmm. I love that you brought up the, the friend line and uh, a leader and a manager i'd love for you to kind of lean into that a bit more where's the where's the line on being relational and connecting and then crossing over into that that friend zone how how should leaders kind of take that
0: you know one thing that i would share to that is um i know an old school construction guy and he he manages And he was telling me about a guy who had an issue and he was telling him, you need to check your issues at the gate. You know what I mean? Like don't bring your issues into the yard kind of thing. And I asked him about it and I said, well, what's his issue? And he said, he's having issues with his dad's health. And I said, but didn't your dad just have dementia and isn't he on his way out? And he said, yeah. And I said, could that have been an opportunity where you could have shown empathy and instead of saying, check your issues at the yard and make sure you're on time next time. Could you have said, you know, my dad's been struggling too. And I just want you to know that I understand that that must be very hard for you. And it's that little tiny, you're not best buddies. You're not, you know, giving them an excuse, but you're acknowledging that you can see them as more of a person rather than an item to get something accomplished. And I think good managers help their teams um, achieve their own personal goals. And to do that, you've got to get to know who they are that doesn't mean you have to give hours of self-disclosure but you can ask them what motivates them and what uh, interests them and for example someone might say i'm really interested in, in playing more piano well i know three different piano teachers i can introduce them to them i'm not being their best friend but i'm i'm engaging them and using my uh, rolodex or my network to help them and there's an old saying uh, train your employees so well that they could leave and go anywhere, but, but they don't because they're being trained so well. Why would they go anywhere? You're, you're taking the time to build them as a person, you know, cause people leave once they stop growing and you mm-hmm. can have a mundane job, but have the person still growing every day by creating a culture of professional development, whether it's listening to Ted talks or, you know, having a book library and those kinds of things. Are friendly, but that doesn't mean they have to be at the kids' baseball game.
2: Yeah, you know my my family. I my my dad was uh, him and his his dad started back in 1980 um, an HVAC business in Phoenix, which was huge, obviously, because everybody is really hot in Phoenix. Yeah, in want...
1: Phoenix. <laughs>
2: <laughs> so you know, as time has progressed, dad is now retired. My sister and my brother are running the organization, and I go back to that whole you know, the establishment of a culture and having watching them step in after the legacy of what my father had built within the organization and it's a large company now. Um, they had to to really help not not change everything, but slowly identify where they wanted to to have that organization go. And what type of of, of employees did they want to ensure that they kept in, and to, to recognize that there is such value in the ability for them to work well together. But at the same time, they couldn't be the, the, the friends. They couldn't be the managers that were like, okay, we're actually younger than some of the, 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 the staff here. And so they had to develop just an honesty, a transparent you know, relationship with those employees that to build the respect So they recognize that we have the interests of the team first and foremost in mind, but because once we focus on your growth goals and we work with each of you to be able to establish where you want to be, whether you're here for two years or 20 years or 40 years, you know, like we want to build that, that stair step of growth for you, not just professionally, but personally as well. And so establishing that mutual respect was, was paramount for them. And now, you know, Seven years later, after dad has retired, it's great to see what they have been able to accomplish to a company that was run old school and is now flourishing in the ability to have a team that works truly and collaboratively with one another.
1: Mm-hmm. That's awesome. How do you pull in those that say, you know, they kind of cross their arms and they don't want to waste their time on the, the warm fuzzies of the connection points?
2: I, from my perspective, a lot of those will end up leaving shortly thereafter, you know, like there's not, they have to have, you have to have a team that buys in to the, the feeling, the culture of that organization, because, you know, I always would always it, it, in the past say, you know, those are the cancers of of the group and you're only as strong as the weakest person within the, the that established team. And so you know, you don't need to have a cheerleader constantly going and saying like rah, 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 but you all have to be aligned and working together. Otherwise, you know, it's the, 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 the framework of your organization will fail. And the ability, no matter how many words you put down and you say, these are our values, unless you're able to instill, and again, goes back to accountability, hold your team accountable for that. Um, it's not going to be successful.
0: Yeah, I would add that people aren't afraid of change. They're afraid of loss. And oftentimes I've had people come out to do a program with us, and you can tell there's some pretty stiff fuddy-duddies, and it's almost like they are too uncomfortable with themselves to open up, but generally speaking, after about five minutes, because they've told themselves a story that they'll be exposed, or that they'll have to do something awkward, or that they will be put into a position of discomfort, they realize that we're all just hanging out, 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 you know, doing something and learning, and they, those people usually turn around pretty quickly. And and similar to what Melissa said, there are people that don't want to talk to anybody and they don't want to see anybody. Maybe they're coders and they spend all day long in the basement and never see the sun. That's okay too. That's who they are. They just have to be at an organization where that's you know honored.
1: Yeah, yeah, <laughs> it makes me laugh because we uh, before COVID we uh, here we made this uh, buddy group initiative and mixed matched people from all different departments and kind of spurred on conversations to create connections. Cause we were seeing that, you know, different departments were being siloed off and people from marketing were never talking to the coders and the developers and stuff. And it was, you know, there was a 30, 40% of the company loved it and thought it was great. And then you had, the the coders and the, the developers and they just hated every single minute of it they were this is forced fun please never make me do anything like this ever again uh, it was the backlash was was strong and and fast about that <laughs> from a certain group but then you know other people loved it so uh, i think speaking to those people and, and having those programs and those opportunities available for those different personality types is is really important
0: yeah and you know for the coders maybe it was like sending the coders off to a conference together you know, giving them a language that they can speak more, more accurately to each other, you know, something like that. Maybe the coders all need to meet each other because they just don't want to speak marketing talk, you know? right?
1: (laughs) It's not a one size fits all there. (laughs) Uh, What's a myth around corporate culture or teamwork that isn't really true?
0: I would say the first myth is that, um, you can't accomplish great things without being an overachiever. And I think I've seen a lot of quiet, stable, patient leaders drive huge sales that aren't swashbuckling and you know riding in in the cavalry. So I think, and, and you see that in the book, Good to Great. And basically in that book, they studied all these different companies and which ones were the most successful. And generally it was companies that paid attention to the strategy and just moved forward with the strategy. Um, and I think one of the myths is you have to have ping pong tables and, and pool tables and lunches. You don't necessarily have to have all of those things, but you do have to have a culture where people are respected, valued, and honored. And so you can have ping pong tables and still rule your company like a tyrant, and that's not going to make people stay any longer.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think that, that from my perspective, totally agree with that. The, the biggest myth that I see is that you have to have a lot of cash or a lot of budget in order to make a, a, a strong dynamic culture. And I always go back to, it's not what you buy, it's what you, what you can get for your team to buy in. You know, and so you don't necessarily need the the, the cash to do it. You just need the buy in from the team, and the buy in from the team has nothing to do with how much money you're spending. It has to do with your communication with them and getting them all aligned in the same area and understanding the their contributions and what their contributions are doing to the bigger picture. Mm-hmm.
1: Well, how do people find out more information about what you guys are doing and be able to connect with you guys?
2: Well, they can easily reach out to us anytime. Obviously, the great thing is we do remote stuff. We do in-person stuff, tremendous amount of stuff, outdoor activities and stuff. Our website is onyxteams.com. You can find us on Facebook. You can find us on Instagram. Um, Ryan and I both obviously um, are very accessible via LinkedIn. Our contact information should be on there. And uh, Ryan, what else? What do you think?
0: (laughs) Uh, You know, you can also reach me at Ryan at Positive Adventures, or if sending a phone call is even easier, 603-512-3397, always available and ready to listen to see if we can't help guide or support people. Because generally, there's a lot of need out there and not enough practitioners to transition society. So here to support everyone out there whatever question you may have, we're, we're just here to help. We wanna see a better world where people are more healthy and looking after each other, less conflict. And uh, we're just out there trying to make a better world. So connect with us so that we can continue that process.
2: Yeah, I, just to, to kind of final note on that, we all felt a, a, a huge desire to look at all of the the companies regardless of what industry that they're in um struggling through this the the past two years of covid and how can we better help establish teams and you know find ways to 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 better communicate to better connect with one another regardless of whether that be virtually or in person we're here to help Mm-hmm. And it's become a, a, a passion of ours. And it's something that is very fulfilling when you, you see the end result of a team that was once disengaged, reengaged, and focused on a, a bigger picture and all going in the same direction.
1: Yeah, that's awesome. Has there been a kind of memorable lesson learned over the last two years?
2: From my point, there's been a lot of lessons, <laughs> you know? Um, I think for, for me personally and professionally is flexibility is key, you know? Be agile, be ready to be responsive and um, expect the unexpected and be prepared for whatever comes your way because, you know, companies that were stringent and didn't find ways to to work around some of the, 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 the challenges that, that COVID had put upon us <clears throat> really got into tough situations and, and let's be honest we were in a really tough situation when your company focuses on group gatherings and team collaboration and you're not allowed to leave your homes and you no longer have office environments to work with we didn't have a choice but to be able to adapt and but and at the same time recognize that the, the need was greater than ever because everybody was disconnected and so we We pivoted, we changed, we were taking curriculum, we adjusted curriculum, and we brought it into the virtual space, which has been paramount for us. And it has been incredibly fulfilling. So again, I go back to my biggest lesson is be agile, be vigilant, and, you know, be focused because you will ultimately get to your established goal if you're able to do that.
0: Yeah, and I think I would add, uh, make time for wellness or disease will make time for you. And to borrow something kind of from the biohacking community, you know, the more you exercise, the more serotonin you have, the less cortisol you have, and you can leverage your own physiological response to have greater capacity for stressful situations, greater capacity for, you know, bigger contracts with more, you know, issues around them. And so when you take time for your wellness, the rest of the world seemingly doesn't seem as stressful or as intense because you're leveraging the serotonin and the dopamine from those connections and working out and whatnot. And so if you want to see a different reality in your workplace, start with, uh, making time for wellness so that your uneasiness or dis-ease is diminished.
1: Both great takeaways. Love those. Uh, Final question for you both. What does innovation mean to you?
2: Innovation to me means constantly looking for bigger and better and not being afraid to go after it and constantly questioning yourself and others to find greater purpose.
0: When I think of innovation, I just always say to myself, what problem are you trying to solve? And when you look at Elon Musk's success, Uh, you know, he said what industries have not been innovated and rocket propulsion hadn't been innovated for a long time. Uh, Battery storage hadn't been innovated for a long time. And so when you say the word innovation, what I hear is what problems are out there that the consumer experiences that accepts and then how do you innovate it? And I had the opportunity to spend the afternoon with the guy that invented the kiosk that prints your boarding passes because he missed his flight. He had waited four hours in a line or whatever, and he missed his flight and he stood up on the counter and said, who would have paid $5 to get your boarding pass immediately? And he went home and he penciled out that little travel kiosk when you put your license in and it spits out the boarding pass, he invented that. Uh, So when I think of innovation, I think what can we do to solve a problem from the consumer and what's been running incorrectly, but we think it's correct. You know, like driving your workforce into the ground and expecting them to work on Saturdays and not see their children's recital and telling them this is how it is, like that's been innovated. You know, there are still some dinosaurs that still think that driving your employees into the ground at all expenses is the way, but that's the old economy. And, and if you're not changing with the new economy, you're going to be left behind, just like the slide ruler or the buggy whip. There are companies that made those better than anyone else, and we don't know about them because they didn't innovate.
1: Yeah. Awesome. Thanks so much for the time to you both and uh, the conversation. Really enjoyed it.
0: Hope the good work out there. We we (laughs) hope to bring value to your listeners.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And now it's time for my Todd takes from this episode. First take. I loved the birds chirping in the background of Ryan. It was such a great example of embracing this new normal and allowing the flexibility and empowerment for people to work from where they can thrive the most. Second take. Melissa and Ryan provided so many great examples of thinking outside the box in order to connect people across departments. For example, the running club or serving together. I also loved the idea of switching things up in meetings and brainstorming to meet at a park. Recently, I was able to bring my entire team together for the first time in two years. It was awesome. And we incorporated that advice into our meeting. It was fantastic to enjoy being outside together. Final take. Construction workers are athletes that must take time to focus on physical, mental, emotional, and spiritual health. As part of this, it is incumbent on leaders to know the person behind the employee. Take the time to know what drives and fulfills your team members. So you can, as Ryan said, relate as a human rather than an item that needs to be accomplished. Ryan also provided some powerful examples of this in action with purchasing concert tickets and the plane tickets for his employees. Thanks for listening to this episode. If you are interested in learning more, you can visit our sponsor applied software at asti.com. You can listen to this podcast anytime by simply going to Apple podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. Also be sure to check out our website, bridgingthegappod.com. As always, I'm Todd Wyant, thanking you for joining us on the Bridging the Gap podcast. Keep innovating. Bridging the Gap is directed and produced by Todd Wyant, edited and produced by Eric Daniel. Bridging the Gap is an Applied Software production. Copyright Applied Software 2021.